Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for leading us in worship this morning. And thank you for worshiping with us. If you have a Bible, open up to Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. Romans 3, uh, verses 21 through 26. If uh, you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, I think you could just Google that. I use the ESV version. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible uh, and you don't, you're watching on TV and you don't know how to Google or whatever else, that's okay, uh, email me. It's malexander at fbcgadsden.org. Uh, email me and we will send you a Bible. We want you to have a Bible. And uh, so just email me and we'll, we'll get you a good one. It'll be a it'll be a good Bible if you want a good Bible. So, and and I won't even have it shipped to my house. I'll just have it shipped directly to you, so you don't even have to deal with my germs. You only get the Bible. That's the only thing you get. So, Romans three twenty one through twenty six is where we'll be this morning. And as you're preparing there, uh, let me just say I, I want to say a word of gratitude to First Baptist Church. Um. I've never in my life uh, been more encouraged by a group of people than I have been by First Baptist Church of Gadsden. You guys are giving so strongly and loving so strongly and supporting so strongly. And uh, I I still, I I don't know, I'm just going to say it because I don't don't believe in superstition. You guys, I've still not heard a complaint. Still not heard a complaint yet. And if you can get a bunch of Baptists to not complain, you know, you've got a real miracle on your hands. And so uh, God's been so good. God's been so good. I'm not surprised, though. But I, I love you, church, and I miss you, and I can't wait till we're all back together again. If you're a guest today, we, we love you, too. And, and Jesus loves you, and we hope and pray you'll be blessed by this time of worship. Romans chapter 3. Verses 21 through uh, 26. If you'd like to stand, you can. Otherwise, just remain seated. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Um, Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for this glorious gospel. And today, Father, as we ask this question, why did Jesus die? We pray that your answer from your word would be clear in our hearts and our minds. And that we would trust him perhaps for the first time, but at very least trust him more. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Aren't we strange creatures? I mean, you really think about it. It doesn't take long. Um, if you spent 10 minutes on the internet since the quarantine started, that's enough to realize we are strange creatures. But listen to this quote. Walker Percy, one of my favorite authors, said this in his book, Lost in the Cosmos. He said, why is it that of all the billions and billions of strange objects in the cosmos, novas, quasars, pulsars, black holes, you are beyond doubt the strangest. Isn't that funny to think about? Of all the things that we know, of all the things we understand, everybody I know is now a fly-by-night epidemiologist. Everyone's got a, a, a bachelor's in virology now, you know. But of all the things we know, isn't it funny that oftentimes the thing we know the least about is us? The thing we're still trying to figure out is us or those people that you're holed up with right now, trying to figure them out. We are strange creatures. And I feel like it's exacerbated during this time. I, I really feel like our strangeness is sort of pronounced. One of the strangest things about us is our polarity. We are really high when we're high. And we are really low when we're low. Isn't it been, hasn't it been weird to see how wonderful people can be? <laughs> Just the goodness that we see. And yet, hasn't it been disheartening to see how awful people can be? Just just strange how humanity as a whole can have such high highs and such low lows. Isn't it weird how in a crisis we look and we see how can, how can people steal? How can they cough on produce at a grocery store? How can these folks that are grifters continue their grift in the middle of coronavirus scare and this goes for health wealth and prosperity preaching grifters as well who won't stop grifting even during this time it enrages me but you knew that already and yet with all the badness in the midst of a crisis hasn't it been so good haven't we been so inspired to see the goodness of people the ingenuity of kindness and love that seems palpable it seems like we can feel it even in our own homes some of the beautiful things that people have done for others during this time i love it and you see i need a worldview i i, I need something that makes sense of both poles of humanity I, I need something that makes sense of the goodness of people and 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 the great goodness that we're capable of and the amazing things that we're able to accomplish but i also need something that makes sense in the midst of that of our desperate horrible wickedness just the banality of the evil that we sometimes commit and i believe and i would argue this morning that the death of jesus is an is a window into the answer to this question I think the death of Jesus is a window into how human beings can be both really good and really bad. And in fact, I think that reality, our worth and dignity and goodness, 
and our desperate wickedness. Not only our propensity for evil, but our actual evil deeds. The wickedness that lies in each and every one of our hearts. I think the answer to how that can be true simultaneously is hinted at, in fact, demonstrated in the death of Jesus Christ. God made you in His image. He cares about you. He loves you. You are a special creation that God made. And yet at the same time, you rebelled against God and fell into sin. You're great in God's image. You're wicked in your fallenness. And thus is the reason why Jesus died for us. Why did Jesus die? It's a good question. It's a question that theologians have answered in different ways over the years. Some have said that the reason that Jesus died is so He could teach us what love looks like. Uh, some have said it was so He could be a moral example for us. I mean, some people say that Jesus died on the cross so we could look at Him and say, that's what love looks like. And then others said He did that so we could know how to act right too. Some have said He was a ransom to the devil. That the devil held power and sway over us, and so Jesus was put forth as a ransom by God to win us back. Some say he died just simply so he could identify with the oppressed. So he could identify with those who are the least of these. And so he became the least of these. And I think there might be a kernel of truth in some of those answers. This morning I want to show you from the Bible exactly why Jesus died. I want to show you and answer the question, why did Jesus die? If you really want to know who Jesus is, as we ask ourselves, who is Jesus? If you really want to know who Jesus is, you must understand Him in terms of His death. If you were to read the four Gospels and see the way that everyone around Him was trying to understand Him over and over and over again, Jesus would point them to the fact that if they are going to understand them, they need understand Him, they need to understand Him in terms of His death. That is what He came to do. This morning, I want to show you three reasons, three truths to help you know why Jesus died from this text of Scripture. Three truths to help you know why Jesus died. Here's the first reason why. Now, if you've been to Sunday school one single time in your life, you probably know this one. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. Now, consider what the text says, beginning verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested or shown or demonstrated apart from the law. Now think about this in verse 21. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Now, I want to talk to, to, to those of you here in the room, just a few of you, and those of you who are out there as well. Some of you might be good folks. I know, it's okay. Some of you might even be good Baptists. It's harder. Hard to meet that standard, right? I'm kidding. It's a joke. No, here, here's the reality. Think about this. You might be a good person. You, you may try to follow every rule, follow every law, try to do everything right. You, you may be a parent at home right now who's like my, myself and my wife are, where we're trying to figure out how on earth we're supposed to do our jobs from home and 
and try to teach our kids in the meantime. And guess what? We do not feel like we're doing a good job at any of those things right now. I know there's some amens in living rooms across Gadsden right now. We're frustrated. What am I supposed to what how do we how are we supposed to do this well? And and we try to be excellent, we try to do what's right, we try to do everything by the book, and yet still it seems like we can't quite get it done, right? And what happens when you're like that? When you really are dependent on being a good person, what winds up happening, what you wind up realizing is you are a slave to the law. The law is always gloating over you. You never have a moment's peace. You're a slave to the law and you still can't keep it. You're like Sisyphus, but a perfectionist. And perfection can never be reached. The gospel is good news for good people, for people that are trying to be good, because the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. It's not, if you want to be righteous and if you want to get lined up with God's righteousness, you don't do it through rules. So that's good news for people that are trying to be good, right? Because you can't be good enough. You know it. Your conscience tells you that all the time. But it's also good news for bad people. If you're a bad person, you're in good, you're in good shape. Because you already know that you're too bad to keep the law. And so you've got your leather jacket on and your sunglasses and your do-rag, which is what Nathan wears now during the quarantine. And you're just, you're a bad boy or a bad woman, right? You're, you're, you're bad and you know it. Well, you're actually in a pretty good place. But guess what? Guess what? You already know you're too bad to keep the law, but you may be so prideful that you say, I don't need God's help. But here's the reality. There's good news for you. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. You see, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, there is no distinction. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what kind of parents you have. It doesn't matter what kind of grandparents you have. It doesn't matter if you were on the cradle roll at the pre-First Baptist Church. Whichever one came before that, right? It doesn't matter. There is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no distinction. You are a sinner. And right here in front of me, right down here with the palms in front of it, there's a cross. And right back here behind me, draped in purple, here on Palm Sunday, there's a cross. And I want you to know right now, there is no pride beneath the cross. There is no pride at the foot of the cross. We all recognize there is no distinction. We are sinners in need of a Savior. So if you think you're good, and isn't that miserable? <laughs> Aren't you sick of trying to keep it up? Like we all know, I promise. Like we all know you're not perfect. It's okay. And guess what? Even if I think you're perfect, who cares what I think? All I am is just some measly preacher. Who cares what the preacher thinks, right? You know, this is one great thing about society these days. Nobody even cares what the preacher thinks anymore. You know, they're not worried about it. Um, people don't mind if they find out I'm a preacher now, you know? I like that, actually. Who cares what the preacher thinks? Guess what? Guess who knows you're not perfect? God knows. You can step out of the misery. And if you know you're bad, you're trying to be good, but if you know you're bad, it's not as fun as it seemed at first, is it? 
all that sin hasn't kept its promises, has it? If you're feeling guilty, and all of us are, aren't we? I've got good news for you today. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. If you think you're good, if you know you're bad, if you're feeling guilty, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're experiencing, Jesus died for your sins. If you are alive and drawing breath, you are a sinner. Someone who was created in God's image to have perfect fellowship and love with Him, and yet in your rebellion you have left Him, and yet nonetheless Jesus died for your sins. But that's not the only piece of good news. And that's not the only reason Jesus died. He didn't only die for your sins. He also, second of all, died for God's justice. Jesus died for God's justice. Do you see what the Scripture says? It says in verse 24, And we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. We are justified. That is, that means that we are forgiven and that our righteous record is made perfect before God. That we are no longer guilty under the law and no longer guilty for our sin before God. We are justified by His grace as a gift through redemption in Christ Jesus. Now, if we are sinners, and I've, I've yet to meet anyone who won't at the very least say, well, I know I've made mistakes. The Bible calls that sin, okay? hate to tell you, the Bible calls it sin. The sooner you own it, the better this thing gets. It's like going inside and staying at the house. The quicker we do it, the quicker we get it over with, right? Just own it. Just go ahead and own it. You're a sinner. Why must it be grace? Why must it be a gift? Because you're a sinner and because God's... If God is just and we are sinners, then what would make sense would be for us to be punished. It would make sense for us to deserve wrath. However, the reality is you cannot satisfy God's justice yourself. That's why it must be grace. That's why it must be a gift. Because only God can do it. And yet, how can God do it and still be just? How can God take your sin seriously? Now think about it for just a moment. How can God take your sin seriously and at the same time, at the same time, love you, save you, bring you into His family? What does the Bible say? How did God do it? Scripture says He did it by putting His Son forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. That word propitiation means an atoning sacrifice that satisfies one's wrath. What that means is that God's wrath against sin was burning and that He put His Son forward as the one who would receive that wrath and thereby purchase your 
peace. That's This word propitiation is used four times in the New Testament. The concept is all through the New Testament. And we look at it and we see that there is propitiation through Jesus Christ at the cross. God is just. Therefore, He had to punish sinners. We are finite. Therefore, we could not satisfy His wrath. And yet we deserve to be punished. Thus Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, suffered on our behalf. Do you see? Do you see the way that the death of Jesus highlights, manifests, demonstrates the justice of God? It doesn't downplay the justice of God. It, 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 it highlights the justice of God. Jesus did not only die for your sins. He he did not only die for God's justice, but also Jesus died for you to be saved. Jesus died for you, for you to be saved. This is good news for everyone. Now think about this for a moment. If God is truly just, why would He delay, why would He tolerate sin for even a moment? Why would God delay meeting out justice for even a moment? If God takes sin as seriously as we believe He takes sin, and as seriously as the Bible says He takes sin, why would God delay? In other words, why are any of us even here? Why has God not already swallowed us up in His judgment? Why did God not strike everyone dead because of their sins? Why has God not done that? What does the Bible say? Let's continue reading in verse 25. Second half. It says, This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. You see, God's righteousness is not only His judgment. It's not only His severity. It's not only His wrath. God's righteousness is also displayed positively for us. It's also His positive holiness, His love, His mercy, His kindness, His grace. And so what the Scripture is showing us is that that God's righteousness is being displayed in the Gospel. And so in years past, before Jesus came into the world... God looked over previous sins. Why? Why did God do that? He did it so that He could demonstrate His righteousness through the Gospel. In other words, God is right and just to pour out justice and wrath. And yet, at the same time, God is not simply wrathful. God is not simply just. God is also love and loving and kind and merciful and gracious. And so God's righteousness is manifested in the fact that for years and years, really for thousands of years, God was patient. God was kind. God was loving. God waited. He waited to pour out His wrath. And He waited so that He could do it to His Son on our behalf. And so he passed over. He looked over former sins. He waited to act decisively against sin until he did so through his son at the cross. And he gave everyone still to this moment time to repent and believe in Jesus. 
And so the Bible says He did this. He looked over former sins. Why? So that He could show His righteousness at the present time. What does the Scripture say? So that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is displaying His justice. You know, God is not just sweeping sin under the rug. And I think that's so often what people ask, right? God is God, so why doesn't He just snap His fingers and say, you're forgiven. It's over. Is that really what you want? Now I want to ask you, is that really what you want? Now I think it's what you want for you, right? Because none of us really want to deal with how sinful we really are. But is that what you want for Hitler? Is that what you want for that person who did that horrible thing to you? Let me ask you this. Is that what you want for a child molester? Is that what you want? No. That's not what you want. You want justice. We all do. We, we all want justice. We want there to be an answer for sin, don't we? We want God to do something about it. I'm reading a book right now called The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. Larson's one of my favorite authors, and it's a book about Churchill during World War II. And at the onset of his time as prime minister, Churchill gave a speech to his war cabinet, and it has this amazing quote in it. He says, If this long island story of ours is to end at last, let it end only when each one of us lies choking in his own blood upon the ground. Now that'll inspire you to fight, won't it? And why do we commend Churchill for not appeasing the Nazis? Why do we commend Churchill for saying we will fight on the beaches, we will fight everywhere, we will fight them until we lie choking in our own blood on the ground? We commend him for that. We like that because we long for justice. Hitler was evil. And so it was right to fight Him. Hitler was wicked. It was just to fight Him. We love justice. And so God doesn't just simply sweep our sins under the rug because God is just. He can't just look over it. God must do something about it. We want God to be just, and yet we want to be saved. Do you see what the Bible is saying? If you want to be justified, you put your faith, you put your trust in Jesus Christ. That is so much more glorious than God simply snapping His fingers and saying you're forgiven that is God entering into your life and taking your sin and suffering what you deserve his son came into the world to justify you and yet he remains just because Jesus died for your sins Jesus Christ the perfect son of God died so you could be saved God is so committed to his righteousness to his justice to His mercy, to His love, to His wrath, that He Himself was willing. His Son came into the world and was willing to lie choking in His own blood for you, for your sin, so that you could be 
justified. So that God could be both just and the justifier of the one who believes. You are loved of God. You are created in His image. You were made to know and love God and enjoy Him forever. You are a sinner who has been alienated from God, who has been dead in your sins. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died to save you. He died for your sins. Would you trust Him today? If you're an unbeliever, would you trust Him for the first time? If you're a believer, would you trust Him more? This morning, I want to offer you an opportunity to reflect on what God has done. If you need somebody to talk with you, to pray with you, just email me, malexander at fbcgazin.org. You take the next few moments now to pray and to ask God what He would have you do today. If you need to be saved, let me know. And this morning, when I pray, I want to invite you to have a few moments to reflect on Christ and His gospel. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for His gospel. And God, we thank You for the opportunity we have to worship, even from a distance. And God, our prayer is that You would move in our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.